1: old-time gamer, I remember being impressed by the colored squares that forced my imagination to envision a world other than my own. Games were an interpretation, as is any type of art form, and the games I experienced in the 70s and early 80s were painted in broad strokes. As technology continued to improve, so too did the look of games. This continues to this day. Certainly we have experienced a movement of retro-style games which have a very large audience. Many are exceptional and force your mind to interact with their world in a different way, forcing involvement by way of your imagination. However, many developers prefer to immerse you instead in a world of their choosing, fully featured and detailed. This creates a different type of game experience. Immersion is a given, like walking through an open door into a world that someone else has created just for you. You need not interpret the world's appearance, but rather save that for its characters, quests, and lore. If enough attention to detail is spent by the developers, you're not taken out of the story. And I personally have always felt that this is integral to game immersion. With the launch of the PS4 and the Xbox One, we've heard from developers who are now saying that the limit is no longer the technology, it's the developers' imaginations. That from Ready at Dawn, the studio behind The Order 1886, who released another dev video last week about building their game engine. Tonight we're going to talk about world building. Whether accurate to the swaying of cloth in the breeze, or stylized and breathtaking, or even original in concept and design, a true rarity. We'll start with The Order 1886, a game that continues to impress me. I truly hope it does not disappoint as it's managed to place itself on a very high pedestal, incorporating so many themes that we all love. And by way of these dev videos we've seen that Ready at Dawn is committed to this project. In the video, the devs discuss building their own engine for the game, something they always do. It makes for a slower start, but allows for so much more control later on. This is something we've talked about often on the show: the pros and cons of using somebody else's engine versus developing your own. I'm sure the boys will agree we've seen it succeed and fail spectacularly. Yes, but it's always hilarious when it fails. <laughs> Well, it also marks an
0: interesting cultural divide, too, because, I mean, developing your own game engine is more an Eastern thing than a Western thing, too. Like, you'll see that more frequently with any of, like, the Eastern RPGs. Like, uh, most of the Final Fantasies, they develop their engines by game. I mean, for better or for worse, take it as you will. But it's it's kind of an interesting thing to see it start kind of infecting or moving over and influencing the rest of the world.
1: Well, we've seen it too, depending on whether or not the developers are coding strictly for one platform. So in the case of the PS, especially the PS3, because the coding Mm -hmm. was so very different and they to the point of needing help from Sony to be able to finish their games, you had them spending a lot more time on their own proper engines like Naughty Dog and whatnot. So this here now with the 4 being different and allowing for a lot more generalized coding than what they had to, the hoops they had to jump through for the three, it's going to be different. But again, it's at a point now where because of the ease with which an engine can be created, again, it's more so if it's going to be an exclusive, but still you can create something that is a lot more powerful and versatile for the story that you want to be telling.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of tying into what Joe says. The Western gaming uh, scene has always been more business-driven than it has out East. So you you get the the CEOs and the number crunchers and go, well, we can spend this much money developing our own engine or we can just buy the latest one from id or Epic and save ourselves time and money and go with that. But like you said, it's a lot easier to do that now. So it's definitely a much more viable and hopefully successful path to take in development.
1: And I'm hoping as well that because of the successful crowdfunding that we're seeing now, we may see more of that because developers are going to see that they can just go the crowdfunding route, get more money that they can then use with which to develop their own engines and things like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that's going to make that a little bit more Even- viable as well. Even, even
0: without the crowdfunding, um, just from speaking with a couple of my friends that do work in the industry, one of my friends is an AI engineer, and one of the biggest problems that he always has is trying to cram AI into existing engines because most of them don't handle what the developers or the designers of that game really want it to do so you see things like weird pathing or you see like limitations on what the the opponents can do um or if you're like have like a story where there's a team of folks that you're leading where you'll see them do certain weird things because it's limitations built within the engine he's starting to say that even the company he works for is starting to push a lot more money into system development to accommodate for games like that in the future. And I think that's pretty, pretty telling when, like, even the big boys are starting to take notice of that.
1: Yeah. This was an interesting video for a lot of different reasons. Once again, I'm not going to hide my. my love of this game already. And I'm really hoping it's not going to disappoint. It may. And if it does, I'll be honest about that. But there's so many things that I'm reading and seeing about this game that make me feel like they're on the right track kind of thing. And that's, that's huge. And we'll get into some of what they said here. What I found especially interesting is when they were talking about, you, you always start from a platform and then build from there. Their platform was a PSP engine of all things. <laughs> I'm thinking, really? Like, holy Christ. But build from that, and again, the saying how oh, the PSP, everything's about making it smaller, PS4, making it bigger and, and faster and everything else. But, I mean, obviously it works when you look at how everything looks and behaves the way it's supposed to. One of the quotes that I loved from one of them was saying, whether you even understand why it looks better than you've seen before, it just registers. You don't know why, but it just looks better, more realistic. Now, Of course, I got to get a call in right as I'm doing the goddamn quote. Whoever you are, I'm not taking your call. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a new one. Wow, yeah, no kidding. Well, the... Okay. This is because I'm not even editing this shit out. Why would I? This is comedy gold. The um the new Mac, it allows you to take calls from your iPhone on your iMac. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find a way to silence that shit. Some <laughs> airplane <laughs> mode so that it doesn't actually pop up on the freaking iMac. It never used to do that on the other one. Oh god, how I wish I had your phone number when you're going oh, on one of yeah, your long
2: <laughs> like I can dial you up. <laughs>
1: The phone uh, is silenced. That wasn't making any noise. <laughs> That's hysterical. Anyways, I got the quote in. I think I made my point. <laughs> yeah, the point
2: came across. There you go. <laughs> well, it it kind of ties into what we were talking about just a couple weeks ago, Roger. How you were saying you hate the term "generations" because you know the last couple quote generations haven't been that quantum leap forward like we saw back in the day. Yeah. But what we've seen here in you know the Xbox One PS4 generation if you will is that it's so much more subtle. Like you look at a lot of screenshots of PS4 games and compare them to PS3 games. You don't notice that big of a difference. Like a lot of people have been disappointed like oh this is this doesn't look next generation but it's like you said it's those little small details that really don't come across unless you're actually playing the game and seeing it in motion and yes the graphical fidelity itself has kind of reached a, a diminishing return a point of diminishing returns but it's all those little smaller things like joe you said with the ai or the the small little movement and the animation things that are really going to separate this quote generation from the previous one
0: you know what what's really kind of like um A telltale sign for me when I'm looking at games like this three things fire, water, and smoke. Three of the hardest things that most game engines have a hard, like just rendering in general. Look at the last couple years of games. Even the 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 best games we've played, there's always issues. Whether it's a looping playback on the water or the Activision Call of Duty nailed that smoke shit. Clearly, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) But when you look at this game, especially like 1886, it's really interesting because it's it's London. It's that sort of atmosphere of horror. And it's fog-filled and smoke-filled and dark and dank. And everything I've seen, and you're right, it is very subtle. It's the smoke moves with the wind, as yeah. you can see with the cloth. Even if there's a gentle breeze, you can see it coiling in on itself. Anytime there's a fire, it's, it seems much more dynamic than and many of the other games I've seen in the last couple of years. And the water actually looks like you would expect to see in a cinematic setting. And I think we've, we've said that before. I think we're finally starting to get that what we really wanted and what we really set out for years ago is that cinematic feeling games is starting to become more and more a thing. And part of that is because the technology is advancing. Part of that is because the platforms are advancing. Uh, And part of that is the mentality is shifting because those details matter so much now.
1: What I think is hysterical being, again, uh, how many... Decades now have been gaming, (laughs) and how for the longest time fog was used as a means of scaling back the resources Mm -hmm. required for a game. Silent Hill. Now it's not. It's actually put there on purpose. It doesn't have to be there. It's put there for atmosphere. So it's 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 odd to have that mindset. And yet when you are looking at the videos that they show and how they explain how you know fog in industrial Victorian era this Victorian era makes sense it's a character in and of itself, so when you're seeing the videos and you're seeing a lot of fog, but again it moves like you were saying as it should with the breeze or whatever, and it just makes sense and it is it creates so much more atmosphere, whereas in other games again it it wasn't a a realistic fog. It was just that everything was whited out a little bit to make it harder to see what was there. Well,
0: it's it's atmosphere versus fog of war really. Right. Like it's, it's something that adds as opposed to subtracts. It's completely so, different.
1: So, yeah. And then when they were talking about having to scan in textiles for the cloth fidelity and how it makes it look like it belongs in that era. And I'm sitting here watching this video and I'm thinking, (laughs) does somebody have BioWare's number? (laughs) <laughs> we should call them and tell them to watch this video because here is another huge freaking company that should be doing this. That should be at a point where they can do this kind of thing and yet we get freaking shiny ass textures that makes no sense whatsoever and hovering facial hair. Meanwhile, Ugh. these guys are scanning in everything so that it's accurate to the time making it look right and the movements are accurate based on you know whether they're up on a freaking blimp thing or down on the ground and and it's true when you're looking at not just those cinematics but the actual gameplay that they've shown the clothing looks phenomenal and it, it it is something like they said it's not necessarily something that you register right away but when you take the time to actually kind of Inspect it closer, you realize wow, yeah, it is because they work their asses off so that it is something that looks like it belongs there. And I just thought that was amazing. That's something I have a lot more appreciation for recently, too. Like, it's
0: going to sound goofy, and I apologize if it sounds like it's out there, but from painting miniatures and comparing trying to put that sense no, of realism sense. in there to this. It's that same type of loving care. Like I never really like I appreciate it, but I never really appreciated it until until I started doing it for a living and for competition. And looking at it, it's all the subtle details in that movement, the subtle plays on the light, the subtle, the subtle way that it shifts when they move, how it reacts to things around them. It's phenomenal. And they are taking so much care with it.
2: Yeah, it's great to see that. Somebody isn't just trying to push the look how great our graphics are and using a bunch of buzzwords, but actually showing us the details and pointing out, like like you said, the thing that you don't notice. It's, it's subtle. It's almost subconscious. And they're really proud of those really small things instead of the look how many pixels we put on this texture.
1: Yeah. The last thing that I thought was really quite interesting as well was them talking about lighting and because again the power is there now to be able to do things with lighting that you never were able to do with do before and to the point of again not using standard lighting but using that glancing light so that you're seeing imperfections and things like that but it's far more natural so that when you're seeing it on the screen it doesn't just feel like a staged production feels real and the few examples that they use when they were shown that and of course we've seen a lot more through both gameplay and cinematics it's true once you're looking for it and you realize what they did it's the the curtains pulled and you, you the appreciation just leaps ahead and it's again the, that other reason why i'm so excited for this title the other one that I wanted to discuss briefly on this too was there was some comments that were made about Uncharted 4 too one of the uh, the lead character artist Frank Tenzi, was talking about the game models and the fidelity is at a point where it's almost movie CGI that they could switch him out for a a double, and you would notice the quote from him was, this character can easily be a digital double in a film based on the quality, the detail, the blend shapes, the color, everything that we put put on the character. This is basically a film character to me. So to me, video games are getting really close to film quality, and this is exactly what I wanted to do. Making more expressions, making more blend shapes and wrinkle maps and whatnot. This is, again, it, it fits right into what we're discussing here, how Here's another game, ironically again for the PS4, or maybe not so ironically, (laughs) that is really pushing the envelope of of immersing you by way of creating a world that's so unbelievably realistic. And I mean, the Uncharted games already looked amazing on PS3, which really has me curious to play for just to see how great it's going to look. See it's I can get what
2: he's saying as far as it wanting to be, you know, film quality CG. It's just that thing of like when we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, how they couldn't do Cosmo because the difference between a real dog and a yeah. CGI dog is noticeable. Well, the difference between a real person and a CGI person is also pretty damn noticeable. Like it, it, you know you look at what is good film cg like you know something like planet of the apes those weren't cgi apes to me those were actual fucking monkeys that were in that movie so i can understand what he's saying technology wise and i'm sure if they used this graphic system to make something that wasn't quite noticeably as a human they could pull it
1: off but i'm still not sold that you know Nathan he, Drake he could be swapped out for you know <laughs> ryan reynolds at some point He'd be a better. He'd be a damn sight better than Reynolds. Let's be honest.
2: Or who? No, who is it that's, that they want to play him in the movie? Mark Wahlberg, wasn't it? Right?
0: Oh what? God. Oh God, I missed yes, that. Why? That's right. Why? Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Still, come on. I I think from what we've seen, I again am really looking forward to seeing just how amazing it's going to look. It's funny because completely off topic for a brief moment, I was telling folks that I. I installed windows eight on my new iMac so that I could boot camp in and play crap load of different games that aren't on the Mac side. And I, I decided because I'm tired of everybody making fun of me for not finishing games. So I installed a bunch of <laughs> games. I was like, I'm finishing these goddamn things. And the first ones I installed were the Batman games because I never finished them. So I, I started working on Arkham Asylum again and I've got this bastard cranked up to 4K, maxed every setting. And I'm thinking, this is going to look amazing. Eh, Not so much. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's showing its age. It is definitely showing its age. I'm curious what cities are going to look like. That's going to be the Mm -hmm. next one I tackle. But yeah, it was like... Hmm, not quite as gorgeous as I thought it was going to be. Still a crap ton of fun, though, which goes against what I'm saying here (laughs) with the whole intro. But uh, I I started playing and it was like, God, I miss this game.
2: (laughs) That's one thing I would like to see Naughty Dog do to make the Uncharted games more realistic, if that's their goal. There aren't that many chest-high walls in the real world.
1: (laughs) Yeah! And nobody's hands are that strong. I'm sorry. I've watched that <laughs> Mythbusters episode. <laughs> they would be falling. <laughs> Mythbusters has ruined so many things for us. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Some of those Ninja Warrior guys could pull it off. I don't believe it for a Maybe. Second. I don't know.
0: That one dude. That, that one, what is he? The uh, the
1: fisherman? He probably could do it. <laughs> All right. His name. We're going to move on to another game that has gone to great lengths to create a very immersive world for a game that would typically not, necess- not necessarily have such an immersive lore. And that's Armello. Now I actually approached them and I said, listen, I really want to play this game. And if it's any good and whatnot, I would potentially like to interview one of your writing staff too. So that's still up in the air, whether or not we'll get to, uh, to interview them, but they were kind enough to send me a key and that one I kept. There's some other ones potentially coming. Um, I played it quite a bit and it was funny because I don't know how much you guys have actually looked into this game, if at all. I've, I think I watched into the it trailer
2: this afternoon when
1: I read the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I had, I had never heard of it before. Okay, this was a, a Kickstarter thing that got funded and it has a very stylized look about it and it's essentially an Animal Kingdom kind of thing. What's funny is that when I had initially heard about it, it made me really think about the comic autumn Lands that we've been talking about on combo. It's exactly what I was thinking (laughs) when I was looking at it and, and it works beautifully, especially if you're reading that comic, it's like, Oh, it puts you in the right mindset. And the game is essentially, there is what's called the rot, which think of some disease and it infects you. And it, if it infects you, you lose one health per turn. And the king has been infected and basically there's you and three others. These are the four great clans and you play as various animals. There's a bear, a rabbit, a a rat, and a wolf, and each has their, their specialties and things like that. Think again, think in terms of an RPG or even an MMO where you got your stats and different things like that. So you have different things that you can do and there's different ways that you can win, whether it's by attacking and killing the king who has a fuck ton of health or you wait until the king has died from the rot meaning quite a few turns and then whoever has the highest amount of prestige wins you gain prestige by winning fights taking down these rot creatures that manifest themselves in different places and rescuing villages there's different quests you can do and whatnot Uh, there's a few other different ways that you can you can play The thing that I liked is that it wasn't just your typical kind of story where it's a happy king and, you know, the countryside, everybody's happy and you're doing quests to help people or whatever. No, you are fighting these other people. (laughs) You're laying down (laughs) traps to hurt them in different areas and all that. The king is not a nice person at all. There's a lot of backstabbing and and things like that. It's just really Deep and then you're getting these quests periodically, say from one area on the map, because it's it's very much a, a type of a strategic tactics game as well, where you're moving around and you got x amount of turns, uh, plays per turn. So you'll make your way to one area and there'll be a village that says, "Hey, we heard about your exploits. We'd like to back you." Where the merchants guild or whatever, come and talk to us, and then you have to make a choice based on how you want to approach them and things of like that. And if you don't do it right, you may not get the backing or they will. And different things happen that create this dynamic, persistent, and I don't want to say questing, but lore based on how you act and whatnot. At one point in one of the ones that I was playing, one of the games, the rat sent a hit out after me because he's a rodent. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. And like five, six turns later, The, it comes up saying you, 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 I can't remember if it said you hear something or you feel something behind you, of course, in a much more flowery fantasy type wording. And then you have a bunch of choices of what you want to do. Well, by that point, I already had two shields on me because you can equip things as well, because not only is it a tactics game that you can move, but there's cards. Yay. There's dice. Yay. It's freaking awesome all the way. And so I had a couple of shields on me and I had another, um, kind of a suit of armor that restricted how many turns I could take, but I had this additional armor as well. And so it was like, come at me. I turned around. I was like, whatever you are that wants to kill me, have at it. We'll see who comes out ahead here, buddy. And I killed it. And then you get the little story and you realize, oh, that's the assassin from like five turns ago that finally caught up to me and is trying to get me down. And so there's a lot of different things like that throughout that make it so much fun. There's, there's dungeons that you, I mean, you quote unquote go into them. It's, it's a, you land on a dungeon and there's a role as to what the outcome of the dungeon will be, which is, that's a little too bad. I would have liked to have seen more of an immersive thing once you go into the dungeon, but Hey, they may change that at some point. This is still early access. So who knows? There's like day and night cycles which change the king has different favors and different things like i said you can equip items you can also equip players into your party which is freaking awesome i got this weird ass rodent warlock thing and it was <laughs> reginald grat- what's that sir reginald yeah really you know he was he was shorter <laughs> and uh and i and i equipped it in my party and you immediately notice how helpful it is because he was granting me magic whenever I was dealing damage and something along those lines. It was awesome. That's all I know. And so there's a lot of different things. Plus they're, they're already talking about introducing new cards on the 11th of this month, which is going to add a whole bunch of new play styles and different things that the maps are procedurally generated there's multiplayer which is i'd love to play with you guys or somebody else kind of thing to get a feel for that and there's like these again the dynamic quest lines and all that i the story is the lore and story for each of the clans and everything is already fleshed out and out there for people to see next week because i want to put more time into the game before i i, I do a full feature but next week i'm gonna do a feature on the game, and I'm gonna go more into the lore behind it and as well, and things like that. The game is not expensive, and i gotta tell you i i really if 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 you're a fan of tactics game that have this rich type of lore and background to it that have really interesting combat too, the way it handles the combat, and you can burn cards to gain additional dice and things like that. It's, I freaking love this game. It's like it was coded for me.
0: <laughs>
1: it seems
2: yeah, as like.
0: Soon a, as I, uh, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it seems like uh, almost Might and Magic esque, which is kind of exactly cool. what yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's Heroes of Might and Magic with yeah. animals. Yeah. Which it, is not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. That's actually a, a good mark in its favor because that's one of the most, I don't want to say most successful successful tactics franchises of all time, but, well, yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, with how many iterations they have and the art style has got me really interested in it because oh, I like that yeah. type of gameplay but that art style is kind of really nifty.
1: I was like F-12, F-12, F12. <laughs> I was taking all the screenshots through Steam.
2: And it's uh, so cool watching the trailers because I looked at the first trailer. I'm like, okay, it's a nifty art style, but it's a bit simplistic, but you know it's early on. And then you watch the second trailer and they've added in some extra dynamic shading and stuff. I'm like, okay, it looks really and then you look at the actual gameplay and you see it in action. You're like, okay, it's it's cool seeing the progress in the development cycle just from
1: a couple trailers yeah it was it was cool playing it because again i'm i'm i love these types of games and i i'm not gonna you know apologize for that i love freaking tactics games and i love card games and the dice stuff and so it was hitting on so many things that i thought was really cool and then i hadn't gotten into combat yet though i was kind of bouncing around the map and trying different things and whatnot and then I thought, okay, well, I'll try it. Cause one of these rot, it almost looks like this dragon that comes out and it was like freaking awesome. And it was like, I'm killing your ass. So <laughs> I headed towards it to fight it. And then you get the combat screen that comes up and there's some, there's some tactics involved there and in how you're going to fight. Plus those cards that you get, you can, like I said, there's a, 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 a timer that burns off. So you got to think quick. Am I going to burn off my cards and waste some or Do I want to hang on to them? Cause they're going to help me throughout the game. And if you miss it, you miss it. So you can burn off a bunch of cards, get more dice. You don't know how they're going to roll if they roll high as well. And you would have needed to burn off some cards or whatever. Cause if you die, you get a rot counter applied to you which then means that you're losing one per life per turn or more if, cause the rot stacks. So I actually died at one point from one of those stupid rot dragon things. And I was lucky enough that I got a card that removed one rot. So it, it healed me up and I was like, Yay, cause it was not fun losing that life <laughs> every turn. It makes a huge difference. But again, it, it shows just how much, strategy there is behind it. And once I started really thinking about what the others were doing, that's when it got super interesting. And I do want to play with other people because people are bastards and they're going to be far crueler. Not that these guys were necessarily nice, but these people will be a lot meaner. And and that's good because now I know what I'm doing. But like case in point, when I was first starting, it's not that I was avoiding conflict. I, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing obviously when you first start off and one of the the, the the on one of the days the king gave this insanely cool shield that freaking glowed gold and it was it was like a hulk graphic card kind of thing and to the person with the least prestige which was happened to be me and i was like <laughs> score give it to me i'll take it and that's when i started thinking a little bit more about how to defeat the others in order to get more prestige as well. And that's how I won the game on prestige. So again, there's so many different ways to play the game and, and the fact that they're introducing yet more cards to keep this going. And the again, the different maps and all that means that this can be like a regular game you play constantly and still have this wonderful original experience constantly throughout each one. I, I freaking loved it. I, I, I can't praise it enough. Just out of curiosity,
2: like what was the average length of uh, one campaign? Okay.
1: I will say that though, that was actually, some people may see it as a good thing. I found it was too long
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: didn't time it. I, I played a couple of games. I didn't time them. That's by next, which I also wanted to put in the, um, in the feature that I'm going to do for next week. I'm going to time a few games to see what an average is because
2: but of course, I'm assuming you can always just pause it and pick it up at another time, right?
1: We'll see. I honestly, I don't know because I just played oh, you, through you them. Did them all in one yeah, I, I did them all. I had to because you get hooked in. Like <laughs> one of them, I started and it was late. My like my wife and son had gone to bed, and I was like, "Hey, I've been dying to try this. and Now's the time start playing it." I couldn't stop playing, and it lasted a while. But it lasted longer because. I was waiting for the king to die from the rot. And so he's <laughs> losing one um, one life every turn, but not like every, I shouldn't say turn, every day. So there's a day and a night cycle. Well, he doesn't lose life during the night cycle when you also get a turn. It's every day he loses one life. And I can't remember exactly how much life he had, but it was a lot. So like we were playing for a long bloody time. It was awesome. I loved it but I would really like a much shorter option so that when you're selecting, do you want a long or a short game kind of thing Mm -hmm. and give that king, you know, half of that health so that you could really get a good fast game mode kind of thing. That would be awesome. All right. So anyways, like I said, next week, I will have a feature for that. And unless something goes horribly wrong and changes my opinion, it's going to praise the game. Fair warning, just because... Again, it hits on every cylinder for me. It's a freaking tactics game with cards and dice and lore <laughs> and awesome and animals. And Yeah. Win-win. All right. Let's move on to something else that we're excited for right now. And there was a lot of news that came out for it last week, and that's Crowfall. We've touched on this briefly, but now they had their hunger week where they had five days of a ton of information. They're getting to that point where they're releasing a lot more details about the game and what we can expect because they're saying, again, they'd been saying how it's going to be a different type of MMO than what we're used to. And so this was kind of the turning point where they really were given a lot more details. And they were talking about it in terms that would make it easy for people to relate to in terms of board games and things like that. I'm talking about wind conditions and board resets and how it pertains to permanence in terms of MMOs and things like that. How in MMOs your character is what is permanent, not the world because you really don't effectuate any change over the world. So it doesn't really count. And what they want to do is they want to set it up so that your character is going to be permanent. However, the world is going to exist by way of campaigns and they can have multiple campaigns running at the same time. The campaigns can be different in, in every way, shape and form ranging from anywhere to say a month to a year. The, the way they were talking about it is basically it's going to stop when it stops being fun. And then you put your character into these campaigns and your character is this immortal who. They're, they're working it into the lore who pops into these campaigns to accumulate, whether it be wealth or, you know, so whatever else kind of thing and wealth or glory or relics, they were saying, and they scavenge through these, they call them dying worlds. And so that's where you're going to get the need to continue playing. As opposed to an MMO, which once you hit max level, so many of them shoehorn you into dailies. This is going to be, once you finish that campaign, you just go into a new campaign. And now you're in this campaign that could last a month, could last a year. They're going to try to fix it so that they they work on ways of keeping you into the campaign, whether it's by by way of granting you excesses or removing, punishing you. They haven't decided yet, but they're going to try to keep you so that you're in there. But I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was freaking awesome. Like this really, really interested me because I've never hidden my hatred of friggin dailies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great concept and it's incredibly unique. Like I haven't heard of anybody attempting anything remotely like this before. So personally, I doubt I'm going to get into it just because the the way I look at it is, okay, you have this campaign, it has a set beginning and, you know, a semi set end. Well, I, it kind of puts me on the clock personally is how, how I, now, of course this game doesn't exist in a playable form yet. So any number of things can change, but just conceptually look at it. You know, if I just want to log in and putz around for an hour or two and call a day, you know, I feel like I would be missing out by not playing more often than I'd
1: that's not true, though.
2: Well, I I don't again. I don't know. This is just my general feeling from this. But no, again, as a concept, I I think it's amazing.
1: The way that I look at it is that not everybody has to be the person who wants to be, you know, the ruler who's the one mm-hmm. who sets everything up to to set up the castle, like the example that they use and whatnot. Not everybody's going to need to be that person. You're going to get the people who are just going to log in for a few hours. Go whether it's clear certain parts of the map or, or help build different things in different areas or, you know, go do crafting, any number of things that you can do. Plus I'm going to assume while I haven't read it, I don't know if the information is somewhere, I'm going to assume you're going to be, have uh, access to more than one character so you can have you know one character that's in this campaign another character that's in this other campaign and just send them out and you'll have that variety of what you want to do and the way that they were talking about it too in terms of really being open to all kinds of different types of campaigns it's going to basically give you those rule sets right from the get-go so you Mm -hmm. know what you're getting into so if you're looking for something that's fairly relaxed and mellow that option should be there for you to put at least you know one alt in there to play whenever you want to just relax. And then you want something that's balls to the wall, going to be insane and, and really epic in scope. Well, you have that choice with another alt. Yeah, that's well, what I'm saying. It's still, it's still
2: very early in the development cycle, and we're going to have to see what yeah. all those options yeah. are. But so right now I'm not super interested. But like I said, it's, it's such a cool concept that I, I will be looking into it as it goes on.
0: See, and I'm, I'm, I'm of the, come on. eh, I'm somewhere between you two. Like, I'm really excited for the concept as a whole. Like, I think it's a really interesting idea to have these campaigns that kind of exist either in bite-sized moments or if, you know, they're going to be year-long campaigns or whatever the case is. Um, But I do see what Vince is saying too. Like, it's sort of a mental block for some people like me. Like, i do like bouncing into games for a couple hours here and there and not feeling like I'm pressured. I also tend to work on one character continually until I'm done uh, or until I hit a point where I'm like, okay, well, now it's time for an alt, which can sometimes take months or, you know, sometimes a couple hours. It all depends. So if I'm not done with whatever my main character is at this point. I'm not sure I'm going to want to, you know, have an alt that goes into another campaign. So if that campaign that I, that's going on, I'm going to feel like I have to log in and participate with it. So I can see it going both ways. The implementation is going to be something that I'm going to be paying very close attention to because there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of cool things that could be done with this. There's a lot of cool concepts at play. It's just all going to matter when this game is playable, how these things are introduced and how they are set
1: up. I think it's going to matter on how many, campaigns are available and they were saying that they want this to be very much a community driven thing where people are giving them suggestions of different things to do. And as long as it's not world breaking, then they can implement those campaigns in, in different ways. And it's, it's, It's it's something where we've seen that can, as long as it's well-moderated, which obviously it will be because it's not the people making the campaigns, it'll be the devs, you can get such amazing things come out of that because of the imagination of the masses. So I think that as long as enough campaigns are available to suit the many different styles that people like to play, and you have enough choices in terms of your characters as well, which is something that we saw, actually there's quite... Quite a bit that you could do in terms of customization for your characters. I really think that there's going to be a lot that is really, really interesting about mm-hmm. this. That's again, I keep going back to. I enjoy playing MMOs. There's certain aspect of MMOs that God I love. However, there's a reason why I'm an altaholic because I want to play more alts because most of the time that end game stage is horrible. That's where the game stops and the grinding begins, and I I hate that, whereas this, in theory, would not feel like sure. you're constantly doing the same thing every day, and that's what I really love, again. Sure. One thing I the, like,
2: really... Is- so one thing I really think could work in their favor here and I'm sure Joe this is something you can uh, at least attest to from whenever there's a big patch or an expansion of World of Warcraft everybody just dives in and races you know everybody wants to be the you know first level whatever druid or first one to clear this wing of the dungeon and all that stuff and this is a game that supports that playstyle yeah. endlessly yep so yeah. I I really think even though it might not might not appeal to some of us I still think the game can be very successful with
0: what it's doing I would agree, I think that is uh, you make a very valid point and that would appeal to the people that constantly need that um, motivation we'll say, that external motivation uh, to sort of devour content, if that's there on a regular cycle, I can see that being very popular
1: I I look at it not just in terms of development, devouring content, not not in terms of I have to be the first one, so much as this is new. I want to mm-hmm. I want to experience
2: yeah. this. I, I might not be the first one, but I still want to be part exactly. of the race. Yeah, exactly. I, I just want to participate. I'm happy to be here.
1: Now, in terms of the world that they're creating as well, because, again, the campaigns are going to be so diverse, it's going to be a little bit hard to, for them to give too many details in terms of, the world and different things like that. They have talked about this, the hunger, which is this blight on the world that infects creatures. They released a whole bunch of different screenshots showing how it affects over the course of a campaign, various creatures. And they started also releasing information on the different classes that you can play. We're going to start with the Templar that they talked on the second. And Joe, I'll let you go with the, uh, the story for that one. So the Templar was actually a
0: really interesting story. First of all, uh, the thing you'll notice about it is that it focused on a female Templar, uh, which is something a lot of game companies tend to kind of gloss over, is that you know there are females in fantasy worlds, and they're not always want to be princesses. In fact, the Templar takes a big dig at that right away. Yeah. With the opening lines of, I once dreamed of being a princess. It didn't work out. That, I <laughs> thought, was absolutely hysterical and a great pop culture reference on top of it. It's Viv from Rat Queens. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. So you talk about this character that watched her mother die and can still remember that. And here it's in the concept of the hunger occurrence. And the hunger is essentially a zombie plague. Yay. Um, People get up, people devour each other. And when they die, they get back up and they devour more people. It's kind of how it happens. So the Templar talks about her father trying to marry her off and saying that she didn't want to have anything of it wanted to become this strong person so she joined the crusade, had a horse got knighted and uh, wasn't being held back because she was a female which was also kind of an interesting and cool little point Uh, then she went off to go fight against the hunger as it spread across uh, the cities and towns and there's also a little bit of self doubt in there which is kind of interesting, where it talks about asking if the even slowed it down and talking about praying for the living and the innocent souls that they trapped inside these cities that they quarantine. I'm talking about what motivates the character, too, which is the memory of the mother and father and the world that she knew growing up. And it's actually really kind of cool because it's a selfless motivation for the character. And I do like that. I like the idea of a character that's not motivated by popular opinion that's not motivated by greed or the need to be this hero but to kind of correct the world i thought that was kind of interesting
2: no it's it's definitely something that appeals on any number of levels like like joe said the fact that they're making it such a point to to be inclusive is always welcome but yeah just the in concept and how they're going to approach the, the world and how each class you know, is going to have kind of their own unique twist, not just from a gameplay standpoint, but uh, from a background standpoint.
1: Yeah, we got a lot more of that. I think than the twist with the Fey Assassin, Joel, let oh, you take yeah. this one as well?
0: well. Let's talk about some uh, some more interesting here. So <laughs> the uh, the Fey Assassin is a female assassin, uh, and it opens up with a wonderful line about how she had a brother once for a few minutes. Uh, The entire society of the fae world is based around a matriarchal society. There are no men. Um, Basically, it's this sort of mercy where they kill the males because they've determined that men are the cause of all strife in the world. Uh, They have breeders. They have people that they use that serve their purpose, and then they're kind of killed and led off to, you know, whatever fate awaits them. Uh, they it's, it's interesting too, because it's the character doesn't see it as a tyranny. It doesn't see it as a sort of a bad thing. It's well, we've done this. And ever since we started doing this, well, we've, uh, we've had peace. We've had
1: tons and tons of peace. And I thought that was kind of interesting. That's what I loved about it because like, make no mistakes about it. This is an <laughs> evil society race. Okay. They're, oh, yeah. they are just evil. They kill any males that uh, that are born and they don 't just have their, their, as they say quote unquote breeders, they capture, capture them they're males slaves. yeah, and then use them and then kill them off. These are villainous creatures and but the what I loved is again they're to use a terrible pun, making no bones about it it's just this is who they are, and that 's that, and it was like the again in terms of The backstory and the lore that's going to be in this race, I can only imagine is going to be spectacular. It's going to be, you know, it's going to, I'm quite certain, piss some people off or whatever. Some people who take it a little too seriously, but I mean, it's being true to what it is without insulting female characters. Because again, like you just said, we just got these insanely strong story of the female templar which i thought was phenomenal as well and here though it's just this complete spin on that where they're just freaking villains <laughs> that's well, like a society of dr dooms <laughs> and it's the same thing too like if you look at it
0: too this character is basically the antithesis of the templar especially when yeah. it talks about the hunger this character doesn't care about the hunger He doesn't even see the hunger as like an enemy it's just a thing in the world it focuses more on the living and like what the living will do to the world and talks about that and i think that's really kind of an interesting point too for it because when you do compare it with the templar and it's and you look at those two side by side they are complete 180s from each other well it's that great character development standpoint
2: of you can have somebody who does reprehensible deeds, but it's their utter conviction in that their way is right that makes them compelling. You know, somebody like Magneto or Lex Luthor, you know, they're they're undoubtedly villains, but there's enough... Of their own personal moral justification to not just make them, you know, mustache twirling villains, but to make them compelling characters. And that's what we're getting here with, with the Fae is, yes, what they're doing may not be, you know, good and wholesome and right, but their belief that it is, it's what's going to make it so interesting from uh, even a playable character standpoint. There's a lot of even role playing possibilities within that constriction. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. They also discussed, this was actually, they they talked on it more on day three where they were saying that they enhanced their FAQ FAQ, and there was a lot more information there about different things that they kind of touched on in some of the days earlier. But one of the things that they really gave more details about was going to be that, again, the campaigns won't have any permanence in terms of, again, the last a month, a year, whatever, but then they are done. There is going to be this outer rim, essentially, kind of, that of worlds that are going to be permanent. And that's where you're going to have your player housing and guild housing and things like that. What was cool was that they're setting it up so that you can have, say, your housing. You can make it private, public, whatever you want. You can also, if you don't want to do that, if you're in a guild, you can have a plot of land that your guild leader gives you, and then you just pay this kind of sum every month, like a a fealty uh, fee, and then you can build on their land. You can work together. Also, it can be a a crafting group that works together and that all have plots within the same kind of uh, world closed off world as well there are there's a lot of different things that can occur there again for for those who don't want to be in the campaigns at any time they can take a break and exist in this outer world that has that permanence that some people will want and require that will also allow you to do such things with you know to accumulate trophies that are not as they said lame that allow you to do a lot of different things and and whatnot like there's again, it's a different play style that you're going to get than what you get on the, in the actual campaigns as well.
2: Yeah. It, I'm just wondering what's going to, who's going to be the first guild leader to turn into a land baron.
0: Oh, oh yeah. That's going to happen. You know what's and
1: fun is his name, Roger. No, <laughs> no. And here's no, the thing. No, it's, it's Sir Reginald. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's funny because I, I read that and, and I read a lot on, on the different things there. And, Back in the day, yeah, I could see myself taking the time and developing this massive kind of thing. Like I, I used to run huge guilds at WoW in the first couple of years and that idea of really not micromanaging people, but trying to create this immersive world for everybody to be in and have fun kind of thing. And I, and I loved it. And now I'm a lot more of, you know, in a, in a, in a setting like this, if it's done properly, I would love to just be that guy that you know the the duke or whoever says hey you want to go fetch some things or go kill the guys over there and here's your plot of line you can have and it's like okay i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome i would have fun being just you know or be the the assassin that the guy says i need you to go kill that guy over there he's getting he's starting to encroach on our land have at her and you play this rogue kind of character and go and slaughter them i those kind of things now appeal to me. And if, if they can find a way to work that into this game, they'll, they'll have me hook, line and sinker for sure. One of the other things that they touched on, of course, we're getting this now all the time is funding for the game. And they did say that they are going to go a variety of different ways to try to get money for the game, but they are going the crowdfunding way as well, which when it's done properly, I'm all for it, because then these devs don't have to answer to the powers to, that be at EA or Activision, which screw up their freaking games, and you can get something that is far true to what the devs would want you to do. Which is kind yeah. of ironic, because <laughs> then you look at this crap with, like, Moliner. <laughs> can we
0: Can we launch him into the fucking sun yet? Like I'm this,
1: sorry. This kills me, because... I'm the, sure we could meet those Kickstarter rewards.
0: <laughs> I'm going to set Goddess up a Kickstarter is... for capturing and launching him into the sun. It'll be funded within an hour. What, G- what
1: yeah. kills me is that people still are giving him all this money. And like Goddess on the tablet, I played it, is terrible. Let's be very clear <laughs> here. God is on the tablet is terrible. And the PC version, I haven't even touched that and I am not going to. But the PC one is not doing well. This was funded in 2012 and it's still not done. And according to the dev that isn't even getting paid by Mulliner, it's it's not even close to being done. It's not going to have most of the things that they promised as backer rewards and goal stretch goals, which that's wow, that's bad. The Linux version that was promised isn't even being worked on, and the current engine isn't even coded to support Linux. There's a ton of different things here that it's I mean, Mulliner has even he's he's not working on a new game called a trial. He's slamming Goddess Which that's has been his MO since black and white. Every game that he
2: comes out with is all right, I know the last game I worked on really sucked, but I
1: promise you this one will be different. But the other one is still in early access, it's not even out yet. He's just getting (laughs) ahead of the curve. Yeah. (laughs) He's being efficient. <laughs> I just thought that was hysterical. He's saying it lacked. It's his internal ner-
0: clock. It just it ticked over. He yeah. had to do it. Like he couldn't hold it off anymore. He's like, I know this game is crap. It's not even released yet. It doesn't matter.
1: That oh, I I just couldn't. The the thing that killed me is his quote where he was saying there's this overwhelming urge to overpromise because it's such a harsh rule. If you're one penny short of your target, then you don't get it. And of course, in this instance, the behavior is incredibly destructive. Which is Christ, we've only got ten days to go, and we've got to make a hundred thousand pounds. For fuck's sake, let's just say anything. So I'm not sure I would do ever do it. I would do it again. The fact that he's point blank admitting that they. Will lie to do whatever just to get the money it, again i can't understand how well, he's still in business here's here's, <laughs> a, here's the interesting thing about that too
0: he was singing kickstarter's praise earlier too and didn't he go on record as saying that that's the only way to make a game in today's world i don't know i don't listen to him <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, like I'm pretty sure, like a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure in t- like 2000 something yeah, like
1: that. I don't know if it was exactly that, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying.
2: You see, here's here's the thing that a lot of gamers still don't realize when it comes with Kickstarter. When you when you're pledging to something on Kickstarter, you're not buying a product. You're investing in somebody's business, and if it succeeds, then you get you know rewards out of it. And a lot of that investment has to do with your confidence in that company in that individual that you're giving your money to so that's what a lot of people I think still aren't quite getting and are starting to come around to now but in 2012 they are like oh I'm going to buy the new Peter Molyneux game you're not buying the new Peter Molyneux game You're 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 trusting Peter Molyneux to be able to do something with your money and that is a huge
1: huge difference yeah so I also found it very funny and telling of society today, the most backed project on Kickstarter is Exploding Kittens, a card hey, game. Oatmeal knows how to make a game, apparently. <laughs> they are currently at, and I just refreshed the page, 143,807 backers, which is astounding. They asked for ten, and it just went up. 143 <laughs> 808 they asked for 10,000 for this card game actual card game they're at 5,691,780 5. 6 million. now to put this in perspective that puts some smack dab between reading rainbow at 5.4 million and the veronica mars movie which is the most backed ever at 5.7 Five point seven, and I just refreshed, and they are at five point yep. six oh, they're, nine. They're going to break one. that record. They're no not man. only oh, t is yeah. ten days. Ten they're going to sail past this. Now, what I it was funny. I because haven't ordered it. mine yet either. I'm about to. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was looking Does at, it Come with a messenger bag. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> 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 it was, I've was funny you exceeded my Kickstarter budget. Yeah, really. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking, is this like how humanity ends? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but, then I started thinking, you know what this is, though? It's backing something that is a social integration. This is a game mm-hmm. that you play with people. It's going to replace Cards Against Humanity, finally, so people stop playing that thing, because people have had enough of that now, because it's everywhere. But it'll be that new game. And then I was thinking, this, this is actually excellent, because it is keeping card games alive it's keeping that idea of these card and board games when you're having these social interactions alive i think it's fantastic actually
0: well see and this is cool for me too because like every week every thursday i have a gaming group that comes over i mean if we're not playing tabletop rpgs like you know any of the the and dragons or any of the deadlands or anything like that we're playing board games like we're playing Munchkin cards, or we're playing uh, any of the Arkham games, any of the the Eldritch Horror games, or any anything of that nature. And this fits right into that. And we like to have that social interaction with the with those people once a week. We find it really, really, I don't know, useful for staying sane. And this fits right into it, just because it's hilarious, fun, and it forces you to interact with people in real space.
2: Yeah. The thing that I really find interesting about this Kickstarter is, of course, it came out and it was ludicrously successful so they turned the kickstarter into a game of its own like we we can't do anything more with all the money you're giving us (laughs) (laughs) so they started putting in this has to be the first time in history kickstarter achievements of you know not just okay this is how much money we made but socially interacting with the backers and making a game out of the kickstarter itself like we we don't want any more of your money just tweet us pictures of your back hair and we'll give you guys more rewards. And I think that's gone a long way to its success of it. That's a brilliant strategy. It, it's helping getting the word out, getting, they just got seven more backers since we started yep. talking about yep. it. And it's, it's just a great social experiment. And, you know, everybody talks about, you know, trying to gamify everything. They gamified the fundraising for their game. <laughs> and it's, it's worked out
1: ludicrously well. That's just... That's a brilliant strategy. When is this coming out again? When did they say it would actually... I'm trying uh, to find it. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I... I uh, Sadly, I don't have anybody that I could play this with, really. The, the people that <laughs> I interact with mm, is not really something that they'd be that interested in but man i envy anybody who's going to be playing this okay we're going to move on to just a few other news items that that came out one of them was actually joe you'd wanted to talk about elite dangerous a couple of weeks ago and so uh go ahead for a few minutes and tell us what this is all about
0: sure so if anybody doesn't know elite dangerous is a uh a dogfighting space game that actually is sort of the rebels versus alliance sort of trope um but it spans the entire Milky Way. Like, the game is so large in scope that it covers everything in this wonderful futuristic society. And unlike such games as Star Citizen, uh, you're not going to go weeks without seeing somebody. You're going to interact with other players, whether friendly or not friendly, on a daily basis. One of the things that's interesting about it is some some of the story of the game is really hard to get to. You have to do certain quest chains or do certain weird brazen acts to get Uh, the attention of, like, the brown coats essentially, uh, and sort of earn their trust and then fight with them if you want to go against the federations. Uh, Or if you want to fight for the federations, well, then you're already part of that and you just follow whatever little crumbs they give you. One of the interesting things is that in a recent interview, the company behind Elite Dangerous has started talking about having community goals as a new type of story-driven collaborative events. Now, these are things that I've enjoyed in a lot of other games, like even Warhammer... Uh, the MMO way back in the day. As terrible as that game was, the story community events were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Guild Wars 2, the community events that they happen, the dynamic quests that pop up are really, really cool. And seeing something like that pop up in such a large universe is a really interesting concept. And I like that idea. They're also talking about doing these at regular intervals where players will be forced to collaborate towards the same goal regardless of what they're doing in that section and that's sort of kind of a cool concept because in games like eve there's really nothing that isn't player generated content and most of that is just i'm going to blow you up if you don't pay me here it's well there's a giant big bad you know xyz maybe it's a pirate fleet maybe it's a rogue space station that's holding cargo or people hostage whatever the case is there's going to start being this influx of events and it's all going to be the first wave is going to be centered on supplies and bounties uh, where there's going to be NPCs or possibly even player characters that went upon them on the bounty board that's being backed by, you know, the actual game devs that say, yeah, this person's a little too big for their britches. Here's a hit for him. Go see if you can actually take them down. And I thought that was a kind of an interesting concept because they're looking at this game and this game is absolutely gorgeous. And if you have a flight stick, it's ridiculous amounts of fun. But they're looking at ways to kind of keep it fresh, and that's a big thing, because they actually care about this game, and they care about what's going to happen with it. And you can see this, they're looking, well, flying through space is cool, dogfighting is cool, what can we do to make it cooler? And I think that's a really, really cool thing.
1: I've been holding off on this, but I've been kind of keeping up with it to a certain degree, but super, super interested in it. I just, again, because I have so many other games to play, I haven't bothered picking it up, but it's just i've i've wondered if it has enough to really hold you enough that's interesting to hold your attention or if it's mainly just the space exploration stuff and i should just wait for no man's sky instead kind of thing
0: i it's hard to tell uh i like the space exploration i like the quests that i that you get that you are given um i like things like resupplying space stations or trading cargo or interacting with other players like that. I sort of like that feel to it, especially in something like that, because I like the idea of forging my own destiny in those types of space games. So for me, there's a ton there. Uh, There might not be enough for you there yet. There might not be enough for you there ever. Uh, I would wait and see if maybe they have a free trial period that'll come up, which I'm sure is going to happen pretty soon uh, and give it a shot. But you definitely have a rig to run it at highest settings. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: the thing. I would love to be able to see. Can you imagine that game in 4K? High yes, settings? I can because my,
0: uh, my one of my buddies at work he bought it with his brand new uh, with his brand new gaming rig and he had it cranked all the way up. It is the most gorgeous goddamn game oh, yeah? I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: I might have to just break down. Yeah, uh, you,
2: you just sold it right there. <laughs> yeah,
0: because
1: again, but- I like that type of game. I I do love those space exploration sci-fi games. I really do. It's just that you really don't need that many of them in your life
0: that's and true. just mm-hmm. one
1: of them that you really enjoy and you're, you you like the way that it plays and whatnot. And that's basically all that you need. And for me, that was not Eve kind of thing. And I haven't had yeah. that now for quite some time. And so like, I've been that no man's guy is, I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait for that. But this is actually hidden on a lot of things for me as well. I'm, I'm interested in Star Citizen too, but that one's taken a while to get off the ground, really. And it's so bloody goddamn expensive as well and not only
0: that but you can go so long without interacting with a a damn soul in that game like i have a friend who backed it and got alpha access or whatever the case was like pre-alpha or whatever the hell they called it whatever their build was and he was just like it is the most boring piece of shit he's ever played and he regrets putting the money into it yeah
1: but there wasn't as many people
2: but he has a 300 hundred dollar gold starship (laughs) yes yes he does
0: (laughs)
1: Tell him like I'll, I'll give him fifty five bucks for it. I told, I told him
0: I would give him thirteen
1: fifty. Fifty five, buddy. If you're listening, I'll give you fifty five dollars for it. <laughs> okay, we're also going to touch briefly on the Persona Five trailer. I saw that Vince, and I thought of you, and I thought, my God, I hope he brought a change of underwear with him at work that day. <laughs> this
2: in. Entire reveal is so ludicrous because this was the climax of a 30 hour live stream that Atlas put on. A lot of it was community stuff, uh, you know, fan polls and this and that. Really, the big focal point of the entire stream was the Persona 4 Dancing All Night rhythm game that's coming out this year. But of course, they capped it off with this Persona 5 trailer, and people are it's ravenous for this game, like it's a three-minute, not even three-minute trailer, and the NeoGaf message thread for it has seventy-five hundred posts of people talking about this three-minute trailer.
0: <laughs> and I'm not even remotely surprised.
2: Well, the Persona games have always been kind of under the radar. A lot of that has to do with Atlas's release schedule. You know, the, the first two Persona games. They were the first two Persona games. They're part of the larger Megami Tensei series, which is any number of games that people don't realize are connected until they read the Wikipedia article about it. But Persona 3 came out at the tail end of the first PlayStation's life cycle. Persona 4 came out... I had to go high, searching high and low for this game because I couldn't find stores that still sold PlayStation 2 games at the time Persona 4 came out. And now here we have Persona 5, which was originally going to be a PlayStation 3 game, coming out later this year until they decided to uh, port it over to PS4 as well. And judging from the trailer, it's definitely just a port. This is uh, obviously PS3-era graphics. It looks like it's actually running on the same graphics engine as Catherine, which came out what, four years ago or so? So it's running on an old graphics engine, but it's never been, the again, the graphical fidelity that's driven Persona. It's always been the style. And my God, this trailer has style to spare between the music and the animations and... Everything going on, it's. I, I just I've watched it like every day just because it's a it's a cool little three minute thing to watch to put you in a good mood. <laughs> but that you know the color pops the the way it's so much red with pretty much grayscale and a lot of the 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 graphics it's it just looks great and we finally start getting at least some elements of what we can expect in the game. As we've been told, all we've seen is like these images of balls and chains attached to chairs and the director has said that the theme for the game is going to be freedom. Uh, you know, freedom from yourself, freedom from society, freedom from any number of things uh, that people lust after, especially in Japanese society which can be so constricting at times that being able to break through and do your own thing is, is much sought after. And the th- way they're going about this is the main character and the uh, cast that we've seen including an anthropomorphic house cat <laughs> which is hilariously awesome. They they're thieves is what it looks like cat burglars. And we see this translated into a huge shift in the gameplay. The one thing I've always said is like the biggest negative of the Persona franchise is it's not something that you enjoy at all times there are points where you have to endure it you know the the school segments you endure the school segments to get to the cool character interactions afterwards you endure the dungeons which can be way too long and way too monotonous to get to the cool boss fights at the end what we see here we get a little bit of the school stuff where it's much more dynamic uh hopefully it's it's that's going to be carried through as well but we see the gameplay of the the main character jetting around in a stealth game and running across chandeliers and if they can incorporate more dynamic gameplay into what is already one of the most character and story focused franchises in gaming then this could finally be the one that gives them that huge mass market appeal because the franchise has been growing as a lot of people missed the games the first time around but with persona 3 portable and especially persona 4 golden The fan base has been steadily growing since 2008, which was when Persona 4 originally released. So in the intervening six years, the fan base is growing and they're hungry. And we definitely see that here of this huge response from one small trailer.
1: I'm thinking because of the popularity of Persona Golden on the PS Vita. Because because it's seen by so many as that the must have game for the platform. First thing I bought, even though I've already played Persona so. <laughs> exactly. Four. I'm thinking because of that. Like you're saying, that's going to be drawing in a lot of people because a lot of the people that have the the Vita have either a PS3 or a four, so they're going to be definitely wanting to then pick up five, based on their experience with Golden. So and again, it's it, it is one of the main reasons why I'm going to play it. Because it sure as shit isn't my trying to play Persona two, <laughs> so yeah, I'll give this a shot. The the the, the, the weird ass cat, eh, not so much my thing. Yeah. Skating on highways, I, I can mm. I can tell you with
2: complete certainty that is not the weirdest character the franchise has seen. No, nope. that freaking thing
1: from Golden as well was like what that crap. Come on, but I don't that knock that on Teddy. That's. that's Again, a cultural thing, so I accept that. But yeah, I saw the cat and I was like, I knew they had to have some weird ass fucking animal in here. <laughs> so now we know what it is. <laughs> One thing that I also
2: really found interesting about this is this is really the first look anybody's had at the game, other than a very brief teaser trailer that came out a year ago, I think, is they showed the CGI scenes, they showed the fully animated scenes. They showed actual gameplay, and they even went out of their way to show off the menu screens. Yeah, no kidding. Because the menu screens are fucking awesome. <laughs> and gorgeous. They're proud of them, and I don't think I've ever seen this in a game reveal trailer before. Here's some awesome graphics. Here's some cool character stuff. Let's go look at the equipment menu.
1: <laughs> it was something that I read immediately when people were reading, were talking about it when the, the trailer first came out. It was like, look at this UI. I'm going... Well, you're right. It is awesome. <laughs> I'll it's give you that. It. I don't agree with you about the cat, but I do agree with you about this UI. We're going to have a fight about that cat. No, no, we're not. One day it's Roger stupid. will play it.
0: He won't tell us and he'll fall in love with the goddamn cat. Well, I'll
1: definitely play it, but it's <laughs> it, it's not going to be my rocket raccoon. Okay. Any closing points on that game? When <laughs> it's coming out
2: in Japan at some point this year and it. It's going to be an
0: awful lot to localize, so I'd win. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge thing. Well, okay. they have it marked for 2015 for U.S. release, so let's hope. It's, we'll see. But if it's not, again, localization
2: is going to be a huge process. Yeah, but a title like that,
1: you got to imagine they've been working on that at the same time. They have to. I, I hope. <laughs> they would have to. I, I Anyways, hope. we'll see when it comes out. All right, that is going to actually wrap it up for this episode. Thanks to everybody who joined us live. We do appreciate it. Make sure to stop by the site. You can go to com slash live and join us on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time to join in the conversation. Next week, like I said, I'm going to have that feature on Armello with more of the lore behind it as well. Not just gameplay, but the lore, because it is something that I am so bloody impressed with. So stop by the site, leave us some comments. You can also leave us some comments on iTunes or Stitcher. Or you can reach us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Samodian, and myself at Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Cat.
2: Fuck.
1: <laughs> now <laughs> 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 we can talk about Poke Superman. He's evolved into something else. <laughs> okay. I,
2: I know I know we're going to hate it, but I had to throw it in there.
1: Oh, I already read it. <laughs> it is. He's Poké Superman.
2: Because if there's one comic character that needs more powers, yeah, it's, it's him. It's Superman.
1: It, it's so Clearly. freaking ridiculous. It's unbelievable. It's a game power. You can use it once a day kind of thing, and then you got to recharge <laughs> your cells. It's a game. It's a racial ability on an MMO character. You can use it once a day. Like, whoever wrote this is a gamer. It's so goddamn stupid, it's unbelievable. So you know where I stand, <laughs> like you didn't already when we talked to Yeah,
2: one. without even looking at it, I knew where we were going to stand and that we were going to 100% agree. <laughs> I am done with winter. <laughs> Unfortunately, winter is not done with you. The person from Florida is not allowed to comment. I agree. Listen, you you have my sympathy, which is worth
1: shit. Precisely <laughs> that I was supposed Listen, to. this. I'll week. have
2: you know, I have had to wear sh- shirts with Shut sleeves on up. them for the last week.
1: Just, just seriously. What? Roger and I live I had in to, an I area had to put where my,
0: thirty degrees is balmy. I have air. I had miles. to put my fan on medium down instead of
1: high and beat your ass to a pulp. <laughs> And don't kid yourself, (laughs) old man with a cane or not, I will beat your ass to pulp. I will drive Roger down there
0: myself. (laughs) I'll go up to Canada get him and then drive him down there to beat your ass. God. Last week Wednesday, I wound up taking such an awful spill that I wound up having to cane out. Which you know. Mm. What's that? So welcome to my world. Yeah, so I I feel ya. I mean we said it had the nice little stabby stick at the end of it so I could stick in the ice, but oh man.
1: I've got those two. You Union, the type of cane I got. I believe it. <laughs> Except for the really old man, like from up, <laughs> with the, the feet that stick out with the tennis balls on the bottom. <laughs> I don't have one of those yet. Don't want one, but I don't have one of those. Nice. <sighs> I just recorded. <laughs> Vince is going to appreciate this. I've got the beginning, the intro for this thing. And so I thought, okay, I'll record it beforehand. So that I don't screw it up. It'll sound good. Get it all in there. And it took like four goddamn takes, obviously. Pain meds, wine. What do you expect? Mm -hmm. Last one was flawless. It was perfect. And I'm thinking, I probably don't even sound like I'm dying. This is going to be great. I listened to it. And what do I hear? That goddamn (laughs) squelching from the other night. (laughs) For some reason, I don't know if it's the cable or whatever, but periodically, as I'm starting new recording sessions, I have to unplug the USB cable to the iMac and plug it back in, and then it's like it resets and it remembers. Oh, I'm not supposed to friggin' squelch like that. I have I have, I have
0: named my uh, my French Crusader Roger, and every time I use uh, the <laughs> Divine Accuse, I just scream yes! <laughs> every single time. <laughs> have
1: I ever said that on the show? Yes, I believe. I have. Yeah. Yes, okay. you have. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't put it past me. I'm just asking. I don't know. <laughs> you definitely
0: have. But you've gotten me more kills in that game than most of my other characters. So congratulations, Roger. <laughs> of course I would. Although your character has the flaw where the only way that I can get him to relieve stress is to go to the brothel. So
1: there's that. He's mm, French. Come on. <laughs> it's what we do. I played the that Armello. Freaking love! It's like that game was made for me. What? Well, it looks cool. cool. It's the it, art it, style. It's got gorgeous. dice rolling in it, Roger. Of it's course. got freaking. It's got and cards. cards. <laughs> that's what I mean. It was like this guy. We keep hearing his voice. He says he likes all his things. Let's put it in a game. Let him play as a fox. Awesome. <laughs> and my fox kicked ass. <laughs> he was awesome. He had two shields on him. I should save this for when we're actually doing the show. <laughs> it was like Bunny would come after me. It's like, come at me, bro. I got this. <laughs> You're not gonna survive.
0: It's <laughs> like if your character
1: dies, you
2: you come in as a rookie spearman and <laughs> contribute as well.
1: That's hilarious. One of the enemies has to be a Sir Reginald. That be awesome. I will. I will.
0: Sir Reginald will exist in my game world just because of you as an NPC. <laughs> He's going to be one of the high nobles that they have to deal with.
1: <laughs> just, just for you, Roger. You know it's funny because I was listening to the. the edit Did you actually see the picture I Twittered showing the yes. editing of that? I know you did. I don't know if Joe saw it. I did not. I've been off of Twitter for this week. Oh been, my god! I've been hurting. The. It's like a, the episode of a thousand cuts. It's just. It was. The oh, editing. that
0: I did see that. Oh my god! I
1: trimmed forty five minutes from the show, so well, that yeah. It, it, it actually the, the finished
0: everything. product was really
2: good.
1: So, but I'm listening to it obviously as I'm editing, and I was thinking, a I, I'm dying to play again. I'm just friggin' <laughs> dying to play, but. You could tell I'm a freaking like MMO Altaholic because I'm thinking, man, I'd love to try a different character. too. <laughs> I've got all these ideas of different characters that it would be more fun. You can fun always and... work that in at some point if you yeah, want. Not as much of an asshole, but somebody who's a little bit nicer, <laughs> easier to get along with. <laughs> yeah, but that would
0: like, I like the fact that your character is interesting to deal with. Yeah.
1: That's one way of putting it. Although,
2: I was thinking today, because I'm going over ideas for future campaigns, isn't one of Sir Reginald's chosen personality traits that he must be seen as a hero to the common people? Uh, I
1: think that's something along those lines. And I'm kind of doing that in my own way. So, should he be a little nicer to the guy that's going to be singing songs about him? Nope. Nope. Because it's his (laughs) job to do it. He's hired to do it. That's that. I don't have to be nice to him. Oh, you're, you're paying him. Well, he was tasked till, with this job there, wait till there's treasure i had my <laughs> idea of what i was going to do and then you said well, you're going to be singing about I, I, him and i went oh this is even easier than i thought it was going to be unfortunately
2: you know the, the the rust monster had a very nice collection of non-ferrous items that he collected over the last year but uh, somebody buried it under a couple tons
0: of rock Well, yeah well that's gonna happen
1: <laughs> not me that wasn't on me. He decided. Dude, I back.
0: was out of. I was I, the, again. My character was uh, the way that I was playing it. He was out of healing abilities, so he was like, "Fuck this, <laughs> <laughs> fight it." No, thank you. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.